0: Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could join us today. Many of us are still thinking about and talking about the recent Supreme Court rulings. Last week on this program, we covered the court's decision to strike down President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. We also discussed the court's decision to end affirmative action and the college admissions process. And you can still listen to those shows on my podcast. Just search for NPR News with Angela Davis wherever you get your podcasts. Also, at the end of June, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Lori Smith, a wedding website designer in Colorado. She published a web page explaining why she won't create websites for same-sex couples because of her religious beliefs. She doesn't believe in same-sex marriage. In issuing its ruling, the court cited free speech grounds guaranteed by the First Amendment. As I talk with a law professor and a marketing executive this hour, I want to hear from you two. Do you? identify as LGBTQ+. What do you take into consideration when you shop? And do you have questions for our law expert about the legal implications of this ruling? You can call us at 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-6000 or call 800-800 two four two twenty eight twenty eight. Let's bring in our guests in the studio with me. I have Jill Hasday. Jill is a law professor at the University of Minnesota. She teaches and writes about anti discrimination law, constitutional law, family law, and legal history. Good morning and welcome back to the program, Professor Hasday.
1: Thanks for having me. Hi. Right.
0: We also have with us uh, joining us remotely Michael Abada. Michael is a brand marketing consultant based in Minneapolis, and he's experienced in marketing to LGBTQ plus uh, communities. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Hi. A lot to talk about. Uh, Jill, let's go back uh, to the end of June, early July, when we're starting to hear the Supreme Court uh, make these announcements and talk about these decisions. What were your initial thoughts on this particular ruling?
1: I don't think this case was a surprise, but the way it's written has very far-reaching implications. Maybe I'll just say a bit about what Mm -hmm. the case is. So, this uh, the plaintiff is a graphic designer. She designs website sites, and she says she wants to get into the wedding website business. But she has a religious objection to same sex marriage, so she doesn't want to provide wedding websites for same sex couples. And she also wants to post a notice that she's you know no same sex couples need apply for these to wedding websites. Clear, right? To, right, to, to be clear, right? Right. To be clear. clear. To mm-hmm. be clear. Um, her problem is that Colorado has passed, has a public accommodations law. Public accommodations are businesses that are just generally open to the public. And it prohibits discrimination on a variety of factors, including now sexual orientation. And it, 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 it prohibits both these signs, you know, no X kind of people need apply, but also refusing the service. So she brings a challenge claiming that this law violates her First Amendment free speech rights. Um, one interesting little curlicue about the facts is in the early part of the case, there's some question of, does she really have standing, meaning a particularized injury that's concrete because to date, she hasn't done any wedding websites, et cetera. And at some point in the litigation, her lawyers produce, they say, actually, there were these two men who who were getting married. They live in San Francisco. They contacted my client. They wanted her to do a wedding website, and she refused. In other words, so that's really an immediate issue. Uh, recently, there's been reporting, a reporter from the New Republic contacted – they gave a contact information for one of these men. They contacted him. He says, actually, I never contacted her. I'm straight. I've been married to a woman for 20 years. This is all fabricated. So that's the facts. In any event, though, mm-hmm. this isn't in the Supreme Court opinion. Supreme Court agrees with the wedding website designer, says – These wedding websites are speech. The court stresses many times they're both customized and expressive, meaning they have speech elements and you're doing one for each uh, couple. And it would violate her First Amendment rights to, the court says, compel her to speak. In other words, compel her to give the message that the state wants, which is that same-sex marriage is fine, um, when her her personal message is it's not okay. Um, So that's the basic Supreme Court opinion. The reason it's really far-reaching is in the mid-20th century, there were many cases raising exactly this kind of claim, and the court rejected all of them. So there's uh, a guy who owns Ollie's Barbecue says after the Brown decision and subsequent cases striking down Jim Crow explicit racial segregation, I have a personal objection to racial integration. I don't want to have a racially integrated dining room. It's okay with me if black people get takeout, but the dining hall I want for white people. And he raises a first amendment objection and the court Mm -hmm. is just no dice, no way. Um, Or there's the school in 1978, similar. We have an objection to interracial marriage and kind of uh, intimacy on equal terms. Uh, We don't want to admit black kids to our school. The court said, the court says no. You have to admit black children once you admit them to the school. You're free to say we think Brown is wrongly decided, but you can't deny service. So or, how is this different? Uh, I would say it is. Di- I think I think it really is a very similar kind of case. Or mm-hmm. outside of the racial context, the JCs it's sort of a civic group where people do networking. They didn't want to include women because they didn't think women should basically be in professional life. The court said no. Uh, you are so important to business that you don't count as a private organization, you count as a public accommodation, you can't exclude women. So what's, in some ways, it's not given how the court's been going, it's not really surprising, but it is really different.
2: Mm-hmm. And it could
1: potentially have far reaching implications for public accommodations laws, generally even outside the sexual orientation context.
0: And Jill, I'm just going to pause you for a moment because I want to hear from Michael on this. Michael, your expertise is in marketing, Uh, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this case. What were your initial thoughts when you heard about uh, the ruling?
2: Yeah, I mean, as a gay man and somebody who works in this space uh, and has worked in it for many years, like Jill said, it was deeply concerning that it could invite even more discrimination against uh, our community and the, the larger LGBTQ community. I think... Jill said it really nicely, and I know President Biden also said it, that it it starts to weaken, it potentially starts to weaken existing laws that protect all Americans and public accommodation. So not only the LGBTQ plus community, people of color, people with disabilities, people of faith, women, you know, and, and me personally, it starts to make me even more aware of who and sort of what businesses I'm going to choose to do my business with and interact with if, if this is how I'm going to be treated.
0: And so a lot of the, the conversations have been around or questions i think people have is like well what does this mean like like what will this you know what are the implications of this what will other businesses do or or what's next and and what are your feelings or concerns about like well what does this mean michael
2: i mean i think i it it to me it starts to give (laughs) businesses the opportunity to discriminate which is really which is kind of a scary thing um and so, you know, and, but then on the opposite end, we, there are businesses who are taking even more pro, like more vocal stance about how they aren't going to discriminate and how they're going to protect their consumer, their customers and, you know, their workers. And so I think mm-hmm. we're going to continue to see sort of that, that dynamic playing out that we're seeing happen in, in the larger country, mm-hmm.
0: um, and you and I were talking about this. I've been really focused on like, well, what's the reaction? What are people saying? And um, so what role do you think profit motive has in, in to, to the reactions that we're seeing from companies and individuals about the ruling?
1: Well, in general, I think often the profit motive can be a good incentive not to discriminate. I think it's fair to say that most companies are eager to serve anyone who's eager to be there, who's willing to be their customer. But what history shows is that the profit motive is not a sufficient protection against discrimination. I think for two reasons. First, some people simply prefer to discriminate, although in their minds it's just prefer to express their own beliefs more than getting customers. So this uh, plaintiff, she would rather express her opposition to same-sex marriage than get you know, money from doing their websites. But also sometimes you can create a niche. This is sad to say, but I think it's true. You can create a niche in the market for yourself by being known for something. So how many wedding website designers in Colorado do you know? I know of one person. Mm -hmm. And she's definitely create. you know, she's gotten a lot of publicity. And for a certain kind of customer, she might actually get more business from this Mm -hmm. um, than she would otherwise.
0: And Michael, what have you thought of the, the, some of the reactions or public statements that you've seen from, from individuals and from companies about this case?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, Jill makes a really good point that, uh, you know, there, it, it's sort of giving people the opportunity to form this niche and say, Hey, this is what I stand for. If you support me, like, Come and give me your business, um, but I think there's been a lot of companies that have sort of doubled down, especially because this was all happening in June during Pride Month, mm-hmm. that were sort of doubling down and saying, "Hey, like this is not this is not impact who and how, like who we support and who we accept as customers. Like everybody is welcome, um, and so you, you've seen a lot of com- a lot of companies starting to take public stances, especially because of all of these different sort of piecemeal uh, attacks that are happening right now on the LGBTQ community.
0: If you're uh, just joining us, I want to remind you what we're talking about Uh, a recent Supreme Court ruling in favor of a web designer in Colorado who uh, doesn't want to do business with same sex couples because she doesn't believe in same sex marriage. And so I want to hear from you on this. Uh, Do you identify as uh, being a member of the LGBTQ community? What do you take into consideration when you shop? Do you have questions for our guests, a a law professor and uh, a marketing executive, about the legal implications of? this ruling what might we see happen next give us a call at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828 Jill you wanted to make a, a point about something
1: oh just i just wanted to cl- clarify something mm-hmm. um no no business is required to discriminate you can continue any business can continue to serve everyone this is just about if a business would prefer Uh, To exclude customers, what are the limits? And I think that that Mm. is a little unclear after this decision. So this case really stresses a number of times. Gorsuch's opinion stresses that these products were customized and expressive, meaning had speech elements, not ordinary products. But where is the line? So one hypothetical I've been thinking about is suppose an ice cream store Sells ice cream cones. They're customized to each person, exactly what flavor you want and sprinkles or not. Oh, sprinkles! Yeah, sprinkles I, I'm very not important. A sprinkles person. No, and thank you. And there's a piece of paper around the cone to stop drips that says, "We love our customers." Is that customized and expressive? Can that person say, you know, if you're an interracial family coming in, I'm not serving you? What is the limit of it?
0: Right. So, is are these? You think the kinds of conversations that we're seeing happening now is like what? Like, what does this mean? Like, what? Where is the line?
1: Right. I mean, there's some that I think are very clearly decided by this case. So someone who does corporate headshots can simply refuse to do corporate headshots of women because they don't think women deserve to, you know, move up the corporate ladder. Um, uh, I think anything with a wedding, the cake, the photographer, they can announce that they're not participating in any kind of wedding, not only same sex, but interracial, whatever kind of wedding they don't, they don't like. Um, and then there's going to be i'm sure people just testing how far that line can go
0: testing the waters uh michael any thoughts on that of like well what happens now like uh what are we seeing uh business owners or other marketing executives like doing right now because they're they're pointing to this case and what could be uh possible now
2: i mean i think uh, what what i've sort of observed and heard is you know a lot of Larger organizations are having internal conversations about this. And I think Jill makes a really valid point. Like there is a lot of confusion around it. So they're just at, at, right now trying to even educate their own mm-hmm. executive teams and staff on like what this means. You know, I, Jill, I would be curious to understand too, like if this gives the right for, an in, em- like maybe an, an overall business doesn't want to discriminate, but if an employee personally chooses to, you know, not...
0: Oh, I don't want to work serve. on that account. I don't want to do that. I don't, yeah, right? like what
2: that looks like. And and I think now, so employers are thinking about, you know, what, how do I talk about this amongst my employee group? And do they have a case mm. if one of my employees decides they, they want to discriminate because they don't believe or accept um, something?
1: One difference is, so in the wedding website case, the person that's compelling the speech is the government, or allegedly compelling the speech. She's saying Colorado, the state of Colorado, is trying to force me to say same-sex marriage is okay Got when it. I don't think so. The First Amendment only binds um, the states and, then, and the federal government as, as uh, interpreted. So constitutional constraints don't bind um, employers. There are parallel versions of this. In, so in general, in some other cases, the court in general has become much more sympathetic to people who voice religious objections, particularly to things around Mm -hmm. gay rights, but it's not exactly this case.
0: Let's take some some phone calls from uh, listeners who have questions and stories to share. Uh, This is uh, Sarah in Minneapolis. Good morning, Sarah. What did you want to share or ask?
3: Good morning. Um, My first reaction to this, and I'm part of the LGBTQ community, uh, my first reaction to the Supreme Court opinion was: um, Why did the government legal team concede that Smith's speech was a protected class of speech, as opposed to characterizing denying services to a class of people as hate speech or some form of hate speech? And would it would the would it have been a better position to take?
0: So uh, your question is is. Could this case, um, I guess, been more successful if it had been characterized as as a a hate, a hate speech case? Correct. Correct.
3: Yep. Instead of focusing on. Is this an artistic expression? Where is the line? Is speech denying services to a class of people, people in and of itself hate speech? And is that a valid legal argument that would have perhaps upheld better?
1: Hmm. Okay. That's a great question. Uh, Let me say two things. First, certainly in retrospect, many people think that Colorado's legal team conceded too much. Among other things, they didn't even investigate whether that alleged same-sex couple actually existed. I would phrase your point slightly differently, but I think it's the same basic idea. One of the main arguments The dissent makes is that we have a long tradition of regulating, of requiring public accommodations to be subject to a variety of rules, including often anti discrimination requirements, on the theory that that isn't speech, that's conduct. And so the First Amendment doesn't really apply. For instance, that's an argument that runs through a lot of those earlier cases from uh, the mid 20th century civil rights era. So I think that could have been, I'm not saying the case would have come out differently. But uh, that that would have been an interesting legal argument, I think, to emphasize more emphatically that this shouldn't be understood as speech. It should be understood as conduct because, again, as the dissent says, you can put what you want on that wedding website. And realistically, how many same-sex couples are going to go to this person if she has little messages around it? But the conduct is refusing to offer the service. Mm-hmm. Um and Yeah, I think that argument could have been stressed uh, more, but I'm not confident it would have made a difference.
0: But, you know, like for me and and Michael, I'm curious how you feel about this. I want to know if someone does not want to do business, you know, with a black person, as a black person. I want to know where you stand and I won't spend my money with you. I'll just move on. Michael, what are your thoughts about, you know, uh, a company making it real clear? Like we don't... um, we don't believe in same sex marriage or we don't believe in, right. in 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 who you are um and then your choice as a con- as a customer to do what you want
2: absolutely i mean that's been I, I- as somebody who's a part of the LGBTQ plus community myself, like, that's something I'm always thinking about when I'm shopping uh, and, and spending my dollars. And if somebody if somebody adamantly doesn't want me there, like, I'm not going to try to fight that. Mm-hmm. I'll just go find another place to spend my dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I think the community, and I've seen this in research, like, they do do their research and they know, like, there are... You know anybody who is discriminated against is is likely more self aware of if that company has policies or a stance um, that is discriminatory against them, and so people not people will often if, if they have the choice will uh, choose to shop somewhere where they feel accepted and welcomed.
0: Mm-hmm. Choices, Jill.
1: So I totally take that point. Why would you possibly shop at a place that discriminates? I just want to say that I think these signs can have an impact. They're both... They're educative, but they also can have an impact. So the dissent points out Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when she was up, when there were uh, the Senate hearings on her confirmation were up, talked about being a young girl and passing a sign in a store that said, no Jews or dogs. Now, obviously, yeah, that tells you don't go into that store, but at the same time, like, who wants to live in a world where the these signs are everywhere? You know, they can have such a bigger... Mm-hmm. Even bigger than someone who would never go to that store. It just... It just makes your progress through the world so much more um, fraught. Mm -hmm. And that's why I I think that anti-discrimination statutes often, in addition to requiring you to give the service, they also don't want the signs because the signs themselves are harmful.
0: Let's take uh, more phone calls from listeners. In Fargo, Jess is on the line. Good morning, Jess. Uh, What do you want to tell us about this uh, recent Supreme Court ruling?
4: Good morning. I... I think that it's horrific. I think it's terrible. I think it hurts. I think that it's stressful. And for us living in North Dakota, we don't have full civil rights in this state. We aren't a special class in this state. We can be discriminated against for housing, for employment, for medical care. The federal law is what is upholding any kind of anything for us. And so for me in my community, I'm gay, I'm queer. I've been like this my whole life. This woman isn't against gay marriage. She's against gay people. People get married. People have always gotten married for millions of years. That's what we do. We fall in love with each other and we get married and we want to have a life together and we want to have community with other humans. And this human is saying, no, you're not a person. You don't get to have that. And that's extremely shocking and hurtful, and to have to see that on a daily basis? No, I don't want to do that. Here in North Dakota and our gay community, I don't know anyone who has plans to stay here. I love my house. I love my yard. I've spent so much time. I love my neighbors. But because of these rulings and everything that is being taken away from us, so many of us are having to make very difficult decisions around what we're going to do to protect ourselves and our family because what happens to us when we go to the ER and the ER person says, no, I'm not treating this person because they're gay. No, I'm not going to rent to you because I can see that you and your wife have the same last name. I'm not going to, you know, employ you anymore. Get out. Hmm. It's not just a website. It's the ability to be able have a life. And to me, I my biggest question is like, when does it stop? Like I hear, oh, we're going to test it. That's so perilous for me to look at my life, to make plans and think, oh yeah, let me, let me continue striving really hard in this country Mm -hmm. that doesn't deserve my brilliance. So we can test and see if I get to be here. That's what this does to us.
0: The impact. Yeah. Jess. Really,
4: really mm. wrong and, and awful.
0: Jess and Fargo, really? Jess, thank you for listening. Thank you for calling in and sharing how you're feeling and I'm sure many other people do as well. And and so Michael, as we talk about like what's next, what's the impact, it has already had an impact as we as we hear in Jess's voice and what she's sharing.
2: Absolutely. I mean I feel it to Jess's point, I mean I, I live in Minnesota and Uh, I have some of those legal protections, but when I, I, as she was saying, like when I, I was just recently traveling with my husband to South Carolina a few weeks ago, and it's a state where civil rights laws actually don't include any like sexual orientation or gender identity protection. And so I act, you know, I felt, a little bit scared at times when we were checking in a hotel, like Jess was mentioning, like my husband and I, like even seeing that we had a King bed and like the discrimination that that starts to invite it, it, it becomes a really scary Experience,
0: mm-hmm. and I don't want to pick on South Carolina, but uh, the few times I've been there for vacations, uh, how I feel when I see the Confederate flag waving mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. South Carolina and other Southern states—these um, yep. uh, these, these decisions—and uh, have impact beyond uh, just the law, Jill. Uh, what they ha- are doing in terms of emotional and mental health. Uh, Jess's question, what she's expressing about being in uh, Fargo and North Dakota and, and her concerns about what's next. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, I don't want to go full doom and gloom, but after the Dobbs opinion, which that's the opinion overturning Roe, mm-hmm. um, removing constitutional constraints and abortion regulation, the, the, Obergefell case, which held that states have to recognize same-sex marriage, is in at least somewhat more jeopardy than it was uh, before. And I'm not sure if this case changes it, but on the other hand, uh, the court seems just more sympathetic to critics of same-sex marriage than maybe critics of other kinds of marriage. So for instance, As a doctrinal, as a legal matter, I think the case, their reasoning would be the same if it was someone who had an objection to interracial marriage, but they would never take those facts because they're just not sympathetic to those facts. But there was something about these facts where they thought, because the court has really freedom about which cases, they thought this was a good vehicle for making this point, suggesting, I think, at least on the part of some, they're just not as sympathetic to same-sex marriage that empathy doesn't extend. And they're also they think that enough of an audience would be more sympathetic to this wedding website design or than if she was I'm a critic of interracial marriage.
0: Um, mm- Michael, I want to talk more with you about traveling as well. Um, You know, there are some places I can think of, uh, like Puerto Rico, marketing itself is a great travel destination for LGBTQ plus couples. Uh, What have you seen in the travel industry when it comes to targeting, um, you know, LGBTQ plus couples or making it clear that like, this is probably not a place you want to come. What are you seeing there?
2: Yeah, that's a really great question. I would say, I mean, even in the past few years, we've seen places like Puerto Vallarta um, really embrace the, especially like the gay community. Um, they're creating safe spaces and hotels that really promote that they're LGBTQ plus friendly. They have events, uh, and so they're really trying to, again, they're going trying to express that they're a safe place, but also you know bring in those travel dollars that uh, the the LGBTQ plus community has to spend right now. I mean, we're we're at least 10% of US adults identify as LGBTQ plus, but I think in the Gen Z space it's around 20%. Uh, almost one in five uh identify in the community and so i think be, with the pickup and travel there are places that are saying hey we we might not have discrimination laws across our country but like in this city and in this space we're going to we're going to treat you like family and we're going to you know invite you and welcome you into the community so
0: yeah. Um, before we take uh, a news break, I want to take another phone call. We're talking about a recent Supreme Court ruling in favor of a web designer in Colorado uh, who who stated uh, she doesn't want to do business uh, with same-sex couples because she doesn't believe in same-sex marriage. And so what are your thoughts about this case? What are your uh, questions for our guests about what could happen uh, moving forward? Give us a call at 651-227-6000, or you can call 800-242-2828. in uh, many, Minneapolis. Let's take this phone call from Caleb who's waiting. Good morning, Caleb. What do you want to share with us? Hi.
5: Good morning. Uh, I'm an artist based out of Minneapolis. I do wedding portraits often, actually. Um, uh, One of the things I was thinking about is if I started denying Christian couples service, I would just go out of business. Um, So I was wondering how it creates like an unequal power dynamic because LGBTQ people like myself are a minority group. Um, So obviously there's more space to deny gay people and still be profitable versus denying hatred and bigotry, uh, and remaining profitable. Um, and then I'm also partnering, uh, to go back to some of the stuff you guys were talking about, uh, Minnesota has seen such an influx of trans people fleeing other states that are expressing, uh, transphobia that they've started a new initiative called Transplant, uh, to help relocate trans people in the state of Minnesota. So, this hate just keeps spreading, but it. Uh, yeah, I was wondering what your guys' thoughts were on the uh, on the unequal power dynamic at play.
0: So your question is kind of kind of like I think what a lot of people are asking like where where's where's the line here and 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 you know again what what could we see moving forward?
1: <laughs> Any thoughts on what what Caleb is asking about, Professor Heste? I I think it's a nice point, which is as a theoretical matter. Someone in a minority group is free to say, well, I won't serve the majority. So like a gay wedding website designer is gonna could say I'm not going to do different sex marriages. But in terms of market share, it's a much bigger it's a much bigger um, hit. Um, and that is not I will say that's just not a theme that the court picks up. You know, they 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 don't pick it up to the extent they say anything they say. Well, there's still plenty of other wedding website designers. And I just want to say that that was was an argument that was made in the mid-20th century. Well, you can just go to another restaurant. But the idea of public accommodations is that everyone should have a right to businesses that are generally open to the public. Everyone should have a right to take part of that. It's just part of being like a free person in the world, that you can go to businesses, they can't exclude you, um, both because I think what's at stake is the practicality of You want this service, but also it's the dignitary. It's the dignitary harm. If I was Colorado's lawyer, for instance, the reason I would have investigated that alleged same-sex couple is not because I would have immediately thought it was fraudulent, but because I would want to hear from them what they thought, what was their experience, how did it make them feel when they were turned away.
0: Before we get to more phone calls, Michael, I want to know more about your business and and exactly what you're doing in terms of working with clients or customers who identify as LGBTQ
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've you know I've been working with both small and large companies. I've had roles at Fortune 50 companies. Uh, you know, developing LGBTQ plus marketing strategies, uh, really thinking about how. You know, there's been a lot of conversation about a lot of companies that are out there just sort of rainbow washing during the month of June and showing up, putting a making their their uh, maybe their logo rainbow or showing up at a pride parade. But it's really about showing year round support. Mm -hmm. Uh, So helping companies and Think about like what does that year-round support look like, and how do you do more than just put a rainbow or participate in Pride? You know, it's about developing non-discrimination policies in your in your business and having equitable benefits for everyone, uh, and, and having sort of an active corporate social responsibility stance uh, around the community. So, I, I work with a lot of organizations on on developing those strategies and then helping them execute.
0: Them. I, I had not heard that term, rainbow washing.
2: Yeah, it's this idea. I don't know if you heard back it they it's kind of came from uh the, when there was a lot of they were calling it pink washing uh during the breast can there was a lot yes. of breast cancer mm-hmm. awareness uh, everything was just turning pink and it was like if you buy this you uh you know we'll donate money and it, a lot of what was found out was a lot of businesses were making things pink but actually not donating any money to breast cancer and it was this whole ordeal and so a similar thing has been happening in the lgbtq and like pride month marketing where a lot of businesses think that if we th- Throw a rainbow on something like and call it and like put it out during Pride Month that that means that you're supporting the community, um, you know. And businesses have been called out for doing that, and, and we're just seeing more and more of it happen. So a, a lot of people in our community have said, you know, enough is enough of this. Like, I don't need another thing with a rainbow on it. it you <laughs> need you need to show up and like support me where it really mm-hmm. matters. And I think uh, our callers, Jess and Caleb, expressed it really well. It's like. You need to make sure that you're not just you don't have policies that discriminate against me and that, you know, you're you have like I think the biggest thing right now is they've been talking a lot about just you have guidelines for, you know, those folks who are transitioning genders. And like I feel accepted and welcome where I work. And so and I want to you know support businesses that are doing that.
0: Hmm. Thank you. Uh, Let's Mm -hmm. take more phone calls from our listeners in St. Paul. PJ's on the line. Hi, PJ. What do you want to tell us?
6: Yeah, I had a question for the marketer. I'm also in marketing and, and oftentimes have to uh, make some, you know, personal ethical decisions. I'm, I'm actually curious in the South Carolina case, and, and I'm, I'm sorry I forgot your name, but if, if the state of South Carolina or the South Carolina Tourism Board came to you and say, hey, um, can you help us recruit more LGBTQ travel to our state? Would you interpret that as, hey, no, um, I don't like your brand? Because of your your laws, because of that flag that's flying, walk away from it, or would you instead say, "Oh, well, this is maybe a step, and I'll take the work." Um, there there are actually some parallels to the to the legal case in in that manner.
0: So, uh, I, Michael, you mentioned you. Uh traveled to South Carolina and you were uncomfortable being part of a a same sex couple. Um, So that's a good point. So if there are businesses and sorry to pick on South Carolina, if you're from South Carolina, (laughs) but if you are a business in South Carolina and you are are genuine, you want to market uh, to someone who's part of you know, the LGBTQ plus community, what do you do when you have a state that has, you know, a reputation and maybe even policies in place that have made it clear that this is not acceptable?
2: Yeah, I think I, I. It's funny, you know. I think my first gut reaction was like, "No, I don't want to support you because you're not supporting me." So that you're right. I, I see the parallels with the case, um, the Supreme Court case. But I think at the end of the day, a lot. It's this vocal minority that's just really loud, and I would say my experience in South Carolina at first, because going into it and you know landing and thinking it was going to be. This place where I didn't feel welcome, and I didn't know if I could. You know, there are a lot of uh, Angela. You think you were even mentioning there are sometimes visual cues that it, it maybe express that you're not welcome. But after I got to know the people and met a community, I did see that there was love and kindness in that space. And I think yeah. I would want to su- I would want to support those folks who want to create a more welcoming space, and I would want to find a way um, to support that because. Like you, you mentioned any little thing we can do is going to help. You know the the broader acceptance, hopefully, in that state in that area. Uh,
0: Another phone call from a listener in Minneapolis. Sharon is on the phone. Good morning, Sharon. What do you want to say or ask as we talk about this recent Supreme Court ruling?
7: Well, thank you for taking my call. Um, I first, I want to, I just empathize so much. Um, I feel so badly for that one person who called from the Dakotas. there's so much going on. And um, the same thing, you know, It's people will find other reasons, even if we make laws, um, you know, for non-discrimination. I'm not sure what would, could help. And I have a question, though, that um, if, you know, like, well, for me, I... I'd like to try and talk to people and things, but I would be disinclined to, if I were a landlord, to rent to a whole lot of uh, right-wing extremists or something like that. And and I I feel like I should be able to tell the government why I feel this way. But I, um, my question too is. With the past, I don't quite understand why the Equal Rights Amendment wasn't passed all these years. But is there a part of that that would cover all groups that are oppressed? Not so, only Sharon, pain, Sharon,
0: you mentioned um, renting. Um, so are you concerned, like, could housing be next? Or is that something that we should be looking at as as... Another area.
7: And food and, and daycare. Um, you know, there's so many things that are just life. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a matter of life and death for a lot of people.
0: All right. Well, let's and, let's ask Professor Hesday. Uh, again, people continue to ask what could be next? What other industry might be affected by this ruling?
1: On the face of the opinion, the court stresses many times that this particular service is expressive and customized. So the question is really how far does that extend? Is providing childcare expressive and customized? It's one of those things, arguably, yes. I mean, it is customized, and that each kid is being taken care of in their own hobbies and interests are being accommodated and arguably there is an expressive element it isn't quite the same sort of expressive element that you had in the website where it's literally words on the screen you know Mm -hmm. so there's not words on the screen but it's it's also not clear in the opinion how important the expressive and customized limitation is time will tell I mean it's possible that one way they were able to get uh, the majority together is on the theory that this is really a very small category of cases and ordinarily public, account- you know, public services are going to have to be made available to everyone. There's just these small carve outs, but I think that there will be other cases testing it and it's not hundred percent clear to me where that boundary will ultimately go.
0: I want to talk about uh, just the Supreme Court just for a moment. Um, NBC News has been measuring public sentiment about the Supreme Court since uh, 1992. And this year's poll suggests that the court's public image is at its lowest point it has ever been at 31% uh, positive. And um, Joe, what does that say to you? There's been a lot of criticism about the Supreme Court even before these rulings at the end of June.
1: So one thing I tell my students all the time is, all the Supreme Court has is whether we believe in it. The Supreme Court doesn't have the army. It doesn't have a budget like Congress. All it has is that people accept its rulings and abide by it. Um, some of the justices, like Alito in particular, have said, you know, I don't care if we're popular. We have to do what's right. But I just don't think that's true. Of course, they if they're not, they should be concerned And you see elements of that. For instance, this is a little far afield, but in the affirmative action case, the court goes out of its way not to officially overrule the past decision, even while gutting it. That is clearly, to me, a reaction to the idea that um, the the Supreme Court is losing legitimacy because it's changing too much. And you can even see in this case, they're trying to say this is consistent with previous precedents in part because they are very attuned to this criticism that they're taking the court in a radically new direction. Personally, I don't think that those efforts are going to be too successful because the average person just looks at the outcome. And that's what really drives people's sense of the Supreme Court's legitimacy, not like the little laurially nuances they put in.
0: Hmm. Uh, let's take another phone call from a listener in Minneapolis. BB is on the line. Hi, BB. Thank you for waiting. What do you want to say as we talk about uh, the recent Supreme Court ruling with regard to the wedding website designer?
6: Good morning, Angela, Professor Hesday, and Mike and all our listeners. Yes, I'm a senior citizen. I'm a trans woman. Uh, I'm an attorney, class of 79, Jill. <laughs> um, I'm uh, in a same-sex marriage. And since we're talking about free speech, I want to ask about my free speech rights. What if I want to shout from the rooftops, uh, accurately, truthfully, uh, that uh, a company refuses to serve uh, same-sex uh, persons, uh, same-sex marriages, or, or LGBTQ plus uh, plus people, uh, queer people? Uh, am I committing a commercial tort? Uh, now, of course, inevitably. There's some, you know, anybody who's ever played the game of telephone knows things get um, less precise as you go. So, what are what limits, if any, are on the characterization of, uh, of what they're doing? Uh, Where are my risks as a, a person who uh, not only won't spend my money at a place like that, but wants to let other people know that uh, this information so that they can make a decision as to whether or not to spend theirs?
1: So is there a risk of being vocal? Okay, so I should have started with this caveat, but of course, I'm not providing legal advice to anyone. But in general, you have a First Amendment right to say what you believe. Um, So for instance, people denied service by 303 Creative, that's the wedding website designer, can... uh, write op-eds, you know, bemoaning the exclusion and encourage boycotts. In fact, that was an important civil rights strategy is encouraging boycotts. Um, I think the problem isn't that you, I think you're allowed to speak out. The problem is those remedies may not be sufficient um, to, uh, to stop the behavior and stop the harm, especially if the person who is seeking an exemption from public accommodations, is in their own community that agrees with them on the merits, right? So many people, obviously, after this case, are not eager to do business with three three creative wedding website designer, but presumably other people who agree with her that same-sex marriage is, as she says, false, are fine with, you know, that speech, that speech won't be an adequate remedy. But you're free to speak. The government can't stop you from voicing your criticism.
0: And Michael, what are your thoughts about uh, being vocal and, and the risks that come along with that? um i'm not sure i um you know I, i i think about um you know something that that's different from this particular case but we've been observing for the last couple of years um laws targeting uh, LGBTQ plus people, um, most recently, you know, states banning gender affirming care Mm -hmm. uh, for, for, uh, you know, for young people, uh, adults, and it it takes a toll, again, getting back to that call from Fargo, that there's a a feeling that comes along with it. Um, and, And Michael, is that something that comes up in conversations among people like you who are marketing executives?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, there, it's funny you say that. We were—I was just talking with another colleague of mine. Just a, the emotional drain it takes being, you know, part of a community that's being discriminated against and having to raise your voice, especially inside of a, a corporation or a company, and explain, you know, how laws or decisions are impacting you personally. Um, I, th- I think a really good example of this actually is has been happening in Florida. Uh, where you have Governor DeSantis just creating all kinds of discrimination. Uh, you know, and Disney mm. actually decided to reverse their decision. They had, a few years ago, had made the decision they were going to move their entire organization to Orlando area. Um, and their employees were so emotionally distraught and not wanting to live in a place where they felt discriminated that, mm. you know, after a few years, they Disney finally reversed that decision and said, you know what, we're going to cancel these plans because our we can't legally protect you uh, in this state. And mm. so, you know, they're, Companies are starting to recognize the emotional drain this is putting on um, folks.
0: So, Jill, moving f- uh, forward in our last minute here, as people are, are thinking about this and, and listening to other people's reaction, you know, um, how do you think uh, moving forward, uh, people in minority groups, um, you know, what should they be doing or saying that makes them feel as though that there's, you know, something hopeful or some some action that they can take to um, so their their voices are heard.
1: Okay, so if I wanted to end on a hopeful note, what I would say, what I would say <laughs> is um, Please. I don't think even the Supreme Court itself has fully decided how far they're going to take this decision mm. and one of the things mm. that will determine that is how much pushback is received. So all of these things are in play. I can it's already bad and I can play out, you know, a parade of horribles extending it even further. But that hasn't, like the ice, to the extent of the ice cream cone, that hasn't happened yet. And people's popular reaction to the decision helps determine how far down that road they're willing to mm-hmm. go.
0: All right. Well, our time is up. I want to thank our guests and our listeners who called in. Jill Hasday, a professor at the University of Minnesota Law School, teaches and writes about anti-discrimination law and constitutional law. Thank you, Professor Hasday. I always enjoy hearing from you. And Michael Abada. Thank you, Michael, uh, a brand marketing consultant based in Minneapolis and experience in marketing towards LGBTQ plus people. This conversation today was produced by Donnell Cloutier. Be safe, everyone.